What's going on, everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I want to welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. And this episode is going to be no different. Stick around, and we're going to get started right now. Well, we'd like to thank you and welcome you back for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I'm Glenn P. Brooks Jr. And y'all, today is a really, really exciting day for me. Uh, we're going to get into some massive content. But before we do that, I want y'all to understand there's a reason why stories are so important. In a blog post on HuffPost.com, I'm sorry, contributing writer Flynn Coleman asks this question. He asks the question, he says, why are stories so powerful? Well, the truth of the matter is is that they are more memorable than facts. Our brains actually are wired to respond to stories. Metaphors and anecdotes actually help us to relate ideas to our own uh, experiences, providing richness and texture. Stories bring you and your listeners into a multidimensional world full of colors, sights, sounds, and smells, and even emotions, making us feel as though we were actually living the story. On today's episode of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast, the story behind the brand, we're featuring a friend of mine, a brother of mine. He's actually my coach, and I've been connected to him since 2015. Many of you guys have heard me, seen me interact in the marketplace, and I can tell you the way you see me move, a large part of that was shaped uh, by this brother, and we're going to unpack the story behind this brand. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to welcome to the stage here on We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast, my friend, my coach, Kendall Ficklin. What's going on, bro? Great morning, great morning. How you feeling, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good, good. Listen, I know you are crazy busy, and uh, I'm always excited and honored, man, um, to be able to get in a room with you. We've been talking about that lately, Kendall, where I don't think sometimes people understand the significance of getting in the room with people um, who know what they need to know and can take them where they need to be. And uh, before we get into all the stuff that you've done for me, my family, and certainly my business, man, there is a starting point for you. I know some of the backstory, a lot of it, but I want you to unpack and we're going to slow down a little bit and kind of get down and drill into the depths of not only who you are, what you do, why you do it, and who you do it for, but the story that informs that brand. I'm honestly convicted and I'm I'm compelled to believe that every great brand has a story that drives it. And there are some people who do an incredible job of weaving that story into their marketing and you get a chance to kind of do business with the story. Like that's what motivates you to actually do business with people. So let's unpack that. Let's go all the way back to New Jersey and uh, how you grew up and what you kind of experienced. And we're going to walk through sort of a succession of how uh, your story uh, really, really built the brand or informed the brand that you are today. Man, I'm going to tell you what's crazy. First of all, um, let me tell you that um, it it is definitely an honor to be here with you. Um, I love what you're doing, OG. You know, I always watch you from afar. Um, And to be able to just be a part of you and Cherie's journey that's bro, that that's everything. You know, for me, I have the heart of a coach, right? So I literally want to see people develop, grow, and go to their next level. So anytime 
I can plug up some leaks or fill some gaps to help people get there. It just makes my heart warm. You know, I flutter, like makes my heart go pitter patter and flutter. Um, bro, as crazy as it sounds, um, and my wife might might not even believe this to this day, and me, maybe even some other folks. When I was growing up in Jersey in Linden, I never talked. Like I ain't, I never said nothing outwardly. Um, I would always talk to myself in my head. Um, but I was always, you know, I did what they don't do. So I wasn't the cat that stood on the corners. Um, I, I was I was the shortest, the smallest of the crew. But I was the one that would say, if we're going to fight today or we're going to walk away today. Um, I've always had that natural instinct to do almost the right thing. I don't get it twisted. I did my dirt. Um, I moved my work, things like that. But uh, I was always that guy that wanted to be um, seen and not heard. And I didn't even need to be seen that much. So I was quiet. Um, I played basketball from fourth grade all the way up to 12th grade starting point guard. And it was it was on the basketball court, um, Jay Ross, where I actually (laughs) as he's listening, wherever he's listening, it was on the basketball court when I realized I had those uh, leadership qualities, those intangibles to do the things that I'm actually doing today. That's where it started. Still not talking. And I wasn't like. Bro, I was not that that dude on the court. Like I, I wouldn't. I'm, I was probably below average. But the reason why I started was because I was a floor general. I was able, even at my size and at my height, <clears throat> to get my guys, my teammates, to believe in what we were doing and to just, you know, to be that floor general. And so, those early years really helped me see now. You know, it's always now when you look back on it, helps me to see now that those intangibles. Somebody write that down intangibles. It's the intangibles that you never lose that help you to be your best self in every season of your life. And so as I was growing up in Jersey, all the way up to the uh, 12th grade playing ball. Now watch this. I'm going to tell you, tell you this real quick. Um, Started on the basketball team from fourth grade to 11th grade, you know, 10th grade started JV point guard. We went to the finals. We played Elizabeth, New Jersey, I'm talking about it was a game down to the wire. Um, Like we lost it by two points. And, you know, we were distressed and everything. So the next season going into the 11th grade, I was going to varsity. I knew I was going to varsity, but I also knew I wasn't going to start because my guy, my best friend was the starting point guard and he was a monster. But I wasn't even not only starting, I expected to be the first guard off the bench. But you know how you say back then, the coach didn't like me, which he actually didn't. and so he he told me one day, he said, you ain't never going to get no run. And it took it deflated. You know, my mindset wasn't right. My my uh, my game had completely fell off. But Rawway, New Jersey, if anybody is familiar with Jersey and Rawway, New Jersey, the coach from Rawway had come to me and another guy on my team that the coach wasn't treating right and said, hey, I want you all to come over to Rawway. Now, Rawway was our rivalry, period. And so he said, I want y'all to come over, play the summer league. Both of y'all going to be my starting point guards. We're going to play the summer league. And me and my guy was super amped. I was the point guard. He was the shooting guard. And we started playing the summer league. So that summer league from my 11th grade year going into my 12th grade year in Rawway playing with two back then superstars on the Rawway team, we won the summer league championship. And let me tell you what, what shifted for me. Remember I said from fourth grade to 11th grade, I was an average, maybe below average ball player. But that summer going into my senior year, I made a decision 
to take my game to another level. So at that time, I was 17 going on 18. Um, I got up every morning at 6 a.m. And I had, I had my own car and I drove to the basketball court. It was the pond in Linden on St. George Avenue. And I went to the court and I did my, my dribbling drills. I went down to the, to the one side, came back up on the left with the left hand down on the right, did my layup drills. And I did that for the entire summer. It elevated my game. Write this down. I, I put in the work. You got to put in the work. It's what you do when nobody is watching. Now, watch this, OG. At, five, at 6 a.m. in the morning, wasn't nobody on the court but me. 18 years old. Didn't matter what I was doing the night before. I was committed because when that other coach told me, I want you to come and lead our team, I took that as a challenge. So he said, all right, we won the championship. My game was, was now I'm, some of y'all ain't going to believe this. Now I'm going to say this. So if anybody asks me how tall I am, OG, I'll tell them I'm about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, <clears throat> if y'all know me, you know I ain't 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, I'm actually right now maybe 5'7", probably a truthfully 5'6", right? But in 12th grade, going into 12th grade, I was much shorter than I am now. So, but back then I could, I could dunk the ball. Like my vertical, this ain't no, not like for real. Back then, I, back then, I promise you, OG, I could dunk. Not off of alley-oop, I could dunk. I could grab the rim with two hands off a vertical jump. But I used to train with the ankle weights. Remember back in the day, we had the ankle weights. So I trained with the ankle weights. But that summer, we won the championship with Rawway. And then the coach said, all right, I need y'all two to register for school. Now, here's the, here's the piece in this story. I was going to Linden High School, but I lived in Irvington, New Jersey. Had been living there since I was 13. And my mother didn't want to transfer me out of Linden because I wouldn't have been able to get back in if anything happened in Rawway. So I was able to talk her into transferring me out, and I was going to use my cousin's address for Rawway. I'll never forget the day. Went to Rawway with my cousin. She had to sign the paperwork, and I was sitting there waiting. The principal came back and said, well, we can't let him in. And she said, why? Uh, she answered the tax question wrong. So I literally went to the coach's um, classroom and I told coach what was going on. He said, don't worry about it. Let me go talk to the principal. We'll get this taken care of. Um, he came back out. He said, uh, the principal said, I can't bring you back in now because we did the paperwork, but just come back in. I think he said uh, middle or the end of September. It was like the beginning of September. But my mama said no. She said no. Now, mind you, at 18 years old, working hard to get my game right, and her telling me, no, I'm not going to do it. Now, watch this. She said, you're going to go back to Linden High School. Remember, I told you Rawway was our rivalry. I had to go back to Linden, but they wouldn't let me back in because they knew I lived in another city. They was just letting me ride because everybody liked me. So they said, no, we're not going to let you in. My mother talked them into letting me back into school, and I was a pariah. The football coaches, the basketball coaches. But at 18 years old, I was being abused by, verbally abused by adults. But it was in that senior year where I learned that the, um, the internal, I'm going to say it like this for us men, the testicular fortitude that it takes, right? Y'all let that breathe. The testicular fortitude that it takes. Being a pariah, all my friends playing basketball, my senior year, I didn't have nobody to hang with. I had my own car. I didn't have no friends. I wasn't the basketball. I was the pariah. So it was one of the worst times of my life. But guess what I learned? The biggest lesson I learned is you got to be willing and ready to walk alone. Y'all let that breathe.
you got to be willing and ready to walk alone. The second lesson I learned was you got to be willing to stand on what you believe. I knew I wasn't going to get no playing time in Linden. So I said, yo, I need to go somewhere where I can showcase my talents. Not because I wanted a scholarship to college. I wasn't even thinking about that. I just wanted to play ball. I love being a floor general. And so my senior year was horrible. I graduated high school, walked across the stage. Now, I need y'all to watch this. Y'all think about your senior year in high school. What were you doing? What did you do your senior year after graduation? Where were you at? What did you do? Let me tell you what I did. I had a joint. And back then, they called them joints. They wasn't blunts. And a bottle of O.E., which you know about that. A joint and a bottle of O.E., a 40 of O.E. I don't say about I got to say it the right way. A 40 of O.E. And I got in my 1974 Monte Carlo. It was green with the white leather back. And I used to use a matchbook to hold the steering wheel in in place and a metal plate on the floor so my foot wouldn't go through the floor. I ain't lying to you. And I was by myself. And I I drove around smoking that joint and drinking that. That was back when you could drink and drive, (laughs) when it was okay to drink and drive. And I promise you, OG, after I drove around all night, I was alone. Y'all was partying your senior year in high school. You was doing all sorts of stuff. I was alone driving around, not knowing what I was going to do with my life because I was literally depressed. The mental challenges. I didn't know. Like, I came back to the house. I sat on the edge of the bed. I was high and I was drunk. And I sat on the bed and I literally said to myself, yo, what you going to do with your life? I wasn't going to college. I wasn't built for school. That that just that never worked. I was able, I, bro. I don't even have my graduation thing. They told me we're gonna let you walk. You're gonna have to go to summer school. Come back and get this. I never went back to summer school. Not that I was stupid. I wasn't dumb. I was lazy, mentally lazy. So I sat on the edge of the bed, OG, and I said, "What you gonna do with your life?" And I laid back on the bed and I fell asleep. I was 18 years old, y'all. I was depressed. I was stressed. When I woke up, I was 40-something years old with three kids. Now, I need y'all to remember this. Don't ever forget this. Just like that, time flies. You're going to go to sleep and wake up in 10, 15, 20 years will go by. Here's what I want you to understand. You have an opportunity in your life right now to be the best version of yourself. You need to get up at 5 and 6 a.m. and go to the basketball court and run your drills. You need to be alone sometimes. You got to learn how to separate yourself from the competition. You got to separate yourself from the competition. I'm talking about that other voice that you got in your head that's telling you, nah, don't get up for this call. You need to go ahead. No, no, no. I'm talking about the separate voice that says you don't need to go to therapy. You ain't really crazy. And because of what I experienced growing up, the separation, getting out on the court on, uh, at the park at 18 years old, um, getting turned down. I learned so many lessons and I, that I really didn't realize it literally until this season of my life. So, OG, watch this. Throughout my years, I, I kept all of that with me, right? I always said I'm a leader, so I didn't do what everybody else did. I didn't say a lot. When I moved, though, people could feel the presence when I moved. So it was almost like a cocky arrogance that I had. Let this breathe. Because some of us, we're a little cocky. 
We're a little arrogant because you think you're making a million. You think you're sweet. You think money give you power and juice. I can only speak about it because I lived it. I've been there. Money is just going to make you a greater reflection of who you really are. So as I'm growing and I'm going through life, man, I picked up these bad habits and I started living and growing through life. And it wasn't until about 2000, I'm sorry, 1999. Now watch this. After I graduated high school, I didn't know what I was going to do. My sister called me one day, OG. It was 1986. And she said, I was working, I think, at UPS. They call it the plantation, right? And my sister said, she was working at AT AT&T. My sister said, yo, go down to AT&T. They're doing a career fair. Now, in 10th grade, my mother made me take typing. I'm talking about I was fighting because back then you can't take typing. That was for girls. I went down to the career fair. Uh, went through the whole thing. The last thing they said was, we're going to give you a typing test. I typed 35 words a minute. They said, you hired. I was working on the help desk. So at 18 years old, I was at AT&T. That was a major move. But that didn't work for me. But I was at AT&T in my cubicle selling sweatsuits, selling coach bags. Come on, Jen. Look, I'm telling you, I was, I was hustling my whole life. I always wanted to do what they don't do. Everybody that's listening to this, The person that you are now needs to be connected to the person that you've always been. And you've picked up some habits now that's taken you away from the gifts and the talents that he gave you. And when you move away from the gift, it can't make room for you. He said at the beginning, let your gift make room for you. But because you're comparing yourself, I can't do what the OG do. I ain't got that flamingo in me. Now, I'm a high flamingo, but I don't do what he do. I love you, but not that much. I'll walk away from you in a minute. <laughs> so, look, man, I'm, 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 I'm sitting there and, and I'm saying to myself, like, I'm at at and I'm like, I don't want to be here. Let me get my hustle on. So I'm selling stuff in the cubicles. I wouldn't even cash my at and check because I was making so much money. I'm selling black books. I'm a natural born hustler. And some of us, we talking about we coaches. See, you caught up on the platform and not the gift. Your talent and your gift is is how you, is what you express to the world. You're going to do it on different platforms. And until you mature and grow up and realize that the platform is always going to change, but the gift and the talent stays the same. I didn't know it. So I'm at AT AT&T and I'm working the job. I'm doing good. I got promoted to manager at 20 something years old. I did. I had a 10 year run at AT AT&T. The whole time, Jen, I'm looking to get the hell out of there. How can I get out? And I finally got me a cleaning business, commercial cleaning business. I done messed around because I had a nice mouthpiece. Pause. I had a nice mouthpiece and um, I done talked myself into a contract with Starbucks. I had all the Starbucks in New York and New Jersey, 71 stores. I had a crew of 25 people, five trucks, a wife, and three kids at 20-something years old. But I was broke. And I was broken. Coach, why was you broken? Broken because I had leaks in my bucket. Money was coming in, as fast, and as fast as it was coming in, it was dripping out. Why would you have leaks in your bucket? Because I was only focused on making money. I didn't know how to manage it, multiply it, or move it. Why? Because my character was in the basement. I wasn't in the gift. I wasn't in the talent. I was on the money. 
So I'm running the business. I'm leaving out on a Monday, not coming back till Friday. First marriage, that was the first marriage in a shambles. I'm dirty too. Don't make now. Some of y'all don't know what I mean when I say dirty, but you'll catch that at the red light. I was dirty. Talking about dirty. Moved to, got to, had the cleaning business. I used to have to call my sister, bro, and ask her to borrow 15, 20,000 almost every month just to make payroll while I was making 25, 30,000 every month. See, I keep telling people, I've been a hustler entrepreneur for almost all my life. So I've always made money. It ain't hard to make money. You just got to go to work. But can you keep it? Can you manage it? Can you multiply it? And can you move it? I'm going to say it again. Your gifts will make room for you. All right, so watch this. 1999, the, the cleaning business was in the shambles. Everything was, I said to my ex-wife, I was like, yo, let's move to Atlanta. She was like, why? In my head, now watch this. I was behind on my rent two months. We've been moving around. My kids ain't never went to the same school two years in a row. See, y'all think this is a game out here. See, you think you on social media, you listening to people tell their stories, and they driving all these fans. Bro, let me tell you something. So she said, yeah, we can move. So I sold everything, bro. We had a, a Lexus ES uh, 300 with three kids. I, I, bro, I just went to Jersey for Mother's Day. I went to Rawway, New Jersey, in the house that I lived in before, and I took a picture of it. And as I was looking at the little house, I was like, damn, it seems so much bigger back in 1999. But it brought back memories, and I literally sat there in front of the house, OG, and I just teared up. I'm going to tell you why I teared up. Because sometimes we get stressed because we're trying to measure ourselves on where we say we want to go. But you don't forgot how far you came. That part. And I teared up because I was like, I'm, I'm don't, don't, hurt. let me, let me get myself together. And I teared up because I started thinking about the lives that I had messed up. My ex, my kids, my own. See, I didn't have a bunch of coaching clients back then. The mistakes that I made. And I just sat there. And started looking and I drove around like, man, I remember this and I remember that. And I just, I stopped. And all I did was sit there and I just started saying, thank you. Not for any, not for the break, but for the shift in the mindset. So the ex said, yeah, we can move to Atlanta. Now I ain't had no damn job. I caught a contract at IBM before we left Jersey here in Atlanta. And back then in 1999, they said, we'll pay you $8 an hour. I got a wife and three kids. I sold everything. So all the stuff in the business, we literally put everything on the front lawn of that little house and sold it before we checked out. And then we packed whatever would fit in that Lexus ES 300, three kids in the back. I'm sorry. This is the part I didn't tell y'all. I didn't have a license for five years before that. I drove every day with no license. I drove from Jersey to Atlanta with no license. I drove in Atlanta for 10 years with no license. Every day got locked up once. 400 credit score. When we moved here, we stayed in an extended stay, not a one bedroom, a one room with a bed and a fold out couch. My ex and three kids, me, my ex and three kids on $8 an hour. I was broke and I was broken. 
Now, now watch this, y'all. You know those days, and OG, keep me honest, because you know once I get going, uh, <laughs> keep me honest. Um, so y'all know you have been in the mirror. OG, just confirm this for me. Those days when you actually get humble and you put yourself in front of a mirror and you say to yourself, yo, you know you're supposed to be doing more than what you're doing. You know you should be better. You know that you need to, but it's like you're stuck. It's like you can't quite. <clears throat> and so I had an opportunity. Um, I saw an ad and it said Georgia Pacific was they were looking to restart their help desk and they were looking for a, a, a consulting or contracting company. So I went to the, the guy and I said, look, I got I got uh, a whole crew of 20 people. I got this consultant company. I ain't have a dog on thing. I ain't had nothing. I done messed around and then got myself a contract with Georgia Pacific to build the whole help desk. And when he said, yep, here's the contract. Here, we're going to pay you this. Uh, we, you can pay your people that. I had went right back to IBM and got all those guys that I work with and brought them over to Georgia Pacific with me. And that then the money came. But guess what? Because I still had leaks in my bucket. I didn't manage the money. I didn't multiply the money. But guess what? I was I was in my gift. I was leading. But I was lazy. And I got I did that. They offered me the full time gig after a couple of years, maybe two years. And I said, no, I didn't because I didn't want to work for nobody else. It was just something inside of me that said I can make it because I was still hustling. And then I said, you know what? Y'all go ahead. I'm I'm going to walk away from the contract. And I had this thing now. I was separated from the wife, the ex-wife, because Atlanta is not the place you want to go if your if your marriage is shaky. Let me just let me tell somebody that if you are a man and your marriage is shaky, Atlanta ain't the place that you want to go if you want to repair it. So I left the GP and I'm getting to the point here, OG. And I was broke and I was broken and I was hustling, trying to make money. And I said, you know what? I need to have short money and long money. Now, I've been cutting hair since I was 15 years old. So I said, let me get back in the barbershop. It was 2001, John, 2001. And um, I went in the barbershop. And I thought I was sweet with them clippers. I'm telling you right now, I thought I was sweet with them clippers. And I seen a dude that was sweet with them clippers. And I watched him make 200 300 400 500 $600 a day. And I was like, ooh, but it was a lot of drama. And even back then, I ain't do the drama. So I went down the street to another shop, and it was at that shop when what they called me X was born, and I was really able. Now, I need y'all to hear everything I'm telling y'all, the same man, the same Kindle, with the same gifts, but always operating on a, on a different platform. I need you to focus on the gift and the talent, not the platform. And so I'm in that shop and I had to humble myself. I would ask the, the best barber I saw in there, yo, teach me how to cut. Teach me how to do that temp fade. Teach me. Now watch this. I built up, I cut hair from 2001 all the way up to 2016. And I built up a 300 to 350 client base. And I had five barber shops. Now here's, here's the piece right here. It was behind that chair. When I realized what my gift and my talent was. See, people didn't get in my chair, OG, because I was the best barber. 
Nah. It got in my chair because not only could I cut, I was consistent. I could communicate. Here's the key word. I was a confidant. I was cutting high-level preachers and ballplayers and executives, and they all had secrets. And I knew how to keep the secrets. So guess what I was doing behind the chair? I was coaching. (laughs) I was speaking. I was projecting in the room, honoring my gift, working in my gift on a different platform. But watch this. I didn't know it. I thought I loved cutting hair until one day. Now, all right, so here's the part of the story. I ain't never went to barber school and got no barber's license. Y'all tripping. And I ain't had no license, no driver's license. You're tripping. I thought I loved cutting hair. I refused to go to barber school because I kept saying, I ain't got time. I got to make this money. And watch this, OG. I never called myself a barber. I always said, yeah, I cut hair. Even when I had my barber shops, I couldn't sit in the shop all day. My wife um, used to say to me, oh, here you go again. You opening up another shop and you ain't even going to be at. The-. I said, I, something don't feel right. If I ain't got hair to cut, I ain't supposed to be in the shop. Same problem I had at AT&T. Same problem I had at Georgia Pacific. Same problem I had at IBM. See, you are who you are, but because you caught up on the platform, you stuck. I thought I loved cutting hair, but it wasn't the hair that I loved cutting. It was what I did behind the chair. It wasn't the hair. 2015 and 2012 and this is the shift right here in 2012 I was sick bro I was drinking a lot I was an alcoholic let me just say it the way I was supposed to say it I was an alcoholic and I had this lump up under my chin I went from 210 pounds to 149 in what seemed like overnight now I'm gonna say this I was a closet alcoholic I was a closet smoker Newports two packs a day nobody knew I smoked I was um, I was stressed. I was depressed. And I want to say I was suicidal. But mm, I did say to myself, I don't care if I check out. I thought I had cancer because I had the lung. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting there. Give me give me give me two minutes. OG. Um, my wife kept telling me, you need to go to the doctor. And I was like, nah. But in my head, I was saying I'm not. I don't even really care no more. I just drank more. I was tired. I felt like I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. One day I was at the house and I was in the bathroom and I fell out. Now I'm talking about I'm a man's man, right? Ego and everything. And here was the thing. I couldn't, I literally couldn't get back up. My wife called my uncle. He's the only man. He like a father to me that could get me to move. He said, go to the doctor. I went. So walked in the doctor's office and the doctor did a preliminary exam. He said, based on what I see, look like you got lymphoma. Now I ain't that bright. Uh, Chris, now I ain't that bright, Christine. <laughs> So I was like, what's that? Give me a shot. Give me a something. He said, no. Nah. He said, it's, it's cancer. I was like, what? But we got to do a biopsy. I ain't never been cut. Ain't never broke nothing. Did the biopsy. Um, now I'm down probably 140 pounds now. Did the biopsy. Me and my wife went. I got married along the way. I skipped that part. It wasn't important at that time, right? Me and my wife went back to get the results. Now, as we in the doctor's office, he had us waiting there for two hours. I ain't got no patience. I'm still a lion. I ain't got no patience. But it was during that two-hour period where, and then my kids knowing that I was sick, I was able to see how much people love me. But it was in that two-hour period, my wife just started crying. And I was like, what's wrong with you? She said, 
you can't, you can't go now. I was like, what you talking about? In my mind, I'm saying to myself, if he come back, tell me I got cancer. I ain't doing no chemo. I ain't doing nothing. I didn't care. She said, um, she said, I need you. She said, the kids need you. See, you got a value and a worth. And you're needed in your family by your clients. But a lot of times we get caught up in our own foolishness and we become selfish. I wasn't thinking about my family. She said, your mother needs you. I broke down. And it was at that point where I realized I literally said to myself, I ain't drinking no more. And, you know, it was one of those moments. I didn't say, Lord, if you, then I'll. But in my mind, I was like, yo, you got to you got to get right. It was almost like the mindset I had my 11th grade going into my 12th grade when I said I got to do better. So he came back in the room and he was like, we got your results back and we on the edge of our seat. And I'm just like waiting for the bad news. And he said, it's not lymphoma. He said, you got sarcoidosis. I was like, cool. Where's the shot? Give me a pill. What we doing? Ain't no cure. This is what you need to do. So from 2013 now, because I stopped drinking and I ain't had a drink since 2013. He took the taste out of my mouth. Now, watch this, cold turkey. I ain't never, nothing. And it was at that point where I went, boom. Why? Not because I'm that sweet. I just made a decision that I was going to let my gift make room for me. 2015, I got a call. I was at the barbershop cutting hair. It was a dude that used to work for me. And this is the part that I need y'all to catch. My man was on the phone. He was like, do you know CJ? I was like, yeah, he with E.T. He said, yeah, so-and-so cut his hair. We've been telling him about you. See, I keep telling you, your gift will make room for you. I had been speaking. I had wrote a book. I was been on YouTube. I've been doing my thing for free. Got on the phone with CJ. And he was like, yeah, your people's been telling me about you. Now, in my mind, all I'm saying is I need to get this man to coach me. And he said, well, look, you know, we can connect. But me and E going to California, I'll call you when I get back. I said, no, 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 no. Let me get your number. Y'all write this down. You can't count your money if it's in somebody else's pocket. I said, let me get your number. Gave me his number. True to his word, he called me when he got back in, into Atlanta. I met with him. Now, this, this is the thing, y'all. I need y'all to really catch this. When you get an opportunity to sit at the table, that is not the time for you to open your mouth. That's the time for you to shut up and listen and let the teacher teach and let the coach coach. CJ asked me, Christine, he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be like E.T., Right. Because I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. So CJ said, all right, I'll coach you. He told me how much it was going to be. OG. It was four figures a month. I ain't have it because I still had leaks in my bucket, y'all. I still ain't had no license. I still ain't had no. I was making money, but it was still leaking in the bucket. But guess what I said when he said that? I said, bet. Let's go. My only saving grace, it was like the beginning of November. He said, because the holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, we're going to start January 3rd. I was like, bet, I got a few months to get this money together. How many of y'all know I still ain't had the money when we started? See, this was the period of time where, watch this, I had lived a life. I had gone through some things on different platforms, but it was at that moment when the real shift took place. In 2015, I started working with him. He told me, you can go on the road with us. You ain't got to pay. But I ain't had no money to go on the road. So for two years straight, I slept in the airport. Because I got a seat at the table now. 
And that seat at the table, I said, I'm not going to mess this opportunity up like I messed up all the other ones. And I did not miss a conference. Wherever, wherever E was, I was. And one day we were in San Francisco or Phoenix. And, you know, there's groupies everywhere. But I was the groupie that was literally everywhere. And CJ said to me, yo, I need you to cover E. And I did what I do. I covered him because why? I'm a servant. I got the heart to serve. That's what makes me a great coach. You got to have a heart to serve. And I covered him. And it was one thing that he told me he loved about that day. He went into the room to talk to somebody. Everybody else was trying to get in the room. I stayed out the room because I was trained. And I had the opportunity from 2016 to walk with the guru. Now watch this. He didn't teach me how to speak. I thought I was supposed to be a speaker. He taught me how to build relationships. See, sleeping in the airports, doing the work that I did and traveling, taught me how to manage money. Oh, gee, I learned how to travel. I sat in the room with owners of NFL teams and in all these different places, and I was able to see what the, and hear what the conversation was. See, watch this. I always knew how to make money, but I didn't know how to run a business. So in 2018, CJ said to me, hey, we want you to run the, run the business. We want you to be the president. You're going to co-president with me. And I was like, whoa. Now watch this. I wasn't on payroll. I was making my own money. So I started running the back end of the business and it was there that I learned. And it's a multi-million dollar business. And I did that for one year. Now I knew it wasn't going to last beyond the year because I know me. See, I'm a natural born leader. And some of y'all are natural born. I'm sorry. All of y'all are natural born dot, dot, dot. You fill in the dot. But I got I got what I needed to get. I learned what I needed to learn. And I did what I did at a high level, making mistakes, learning, growing. And it was at that point where I realized, yo, I've been in my gift all these years, but I've been stuck on platforms. So listen, I'm done. I'm, I'm saying all this to say to y'all, I want you to think about your entire life's journey. See, what you hear and what you see Glenn P. Brooks Jr. doing He'd been doing his whole life. He was born for this. The platforms will always change because that's what platforms do. But the gift always stays the same. But what does the gift do? You develop the gift. You nurture the gift. You cultivate the gifts because you get better and better and better. And when you start living in the gift, he'll expand your breast. He'll expand your reach. He'll make room for you. He'll give you money because the gift will give you money. But it's in the cultivation. It's in the development. Now, watch this. It's in your character. It's in your integrity. That will determine what you do with the money when you make it. Ask yourself the question. What's my gift? Last thing, OJ. A month ago, my wife and I was meeting with a couple. And I was talking to the couple, I asked him a couple of questions. And then the, the, the man, the brother, asked my wife. He said, um, what's coach's greatest gift? Now, in my head, I'm thinking my wife's going to say a coach, a speaker, right? You know, that I, you know what she said? She said his greatest gift and talent is to turn nothing into something. 
Because when she met me, I ain't have nothing. I wasn't nothing. So my turn to nothing into something started with me. See, I had to learn not to reach for, but to pull up. And because when she said my gift and my talent is turning nothing into something, I started thinking about 11th grade going into 12th grade, OG. I turned nothing into something. I started thinking about AT&T, OG. I turned nothing into something. I started thinking about being an alcoholic, not having nothing, a 400 credit score, no money, no license, not having anything. I turned nothing into something. I went from 210 to 149 pounds. I went down to nothing because he stripped me bare. He said, build it back up. See, she was talking about businesses. But what I heard was, I turned nothing of a man into something of a man. And she went from looking at me sideways to straightaways. My kids went from calling me pop to daddy. I went from being broke and broken to healthy and wealthy. Now I make money. And I know what to do with it. I manage it. That 400 credit score went to 750. I got my license. I got my passport. I built my wife the house that she wanted. I took her off a job. Nothing into something. Why? Because my gift is making room for me. You walking in your gift? Are you living in the gift? And watch this, y'all. You can't always see the gift. You just got to keep on walking. So I know I have a quote that I say, two quotes. The one quote, and I'm going to leave you with this one. The one quote is, if you can't let go of what happened, you'll never be ready for what's coming. That doesn't mean you got to forget what happened. You just can't stay stuck in your past. But you reflect on the past because the past is going to tell you what type of woman and what type of man you are at the core. And then the second quote that I love saying is, most people want what it looks like, but they don't want what it feels like. I went through, not only me, I put my family through sacrifice and struggle. I slept in airports. I went through what it feels like. And look, watch this, y'all. Let me, let me just give you some encouragement before I go. <laughs> Just because you start making money don't mean that the, the challenges stop. It don't mean that the obstacles stop. As you grow through, grow through the obstacles and the challenge, you're supposed to get stronger. That's why you got to make sure that your physical energy, your mental energy, your emotional energy, and your soulful or spiritual energy is on 10 every day because that's your armor to go to war with. And if you ain't strong, you will get killed. And your family needs you. Because if you on this call, if you listening to this, you set apart. Do the heart work. H-E-A-R-T. The heart work. And cultivate your gift. I'm, my apologies, OG. I got a little caught nah, up. Not at all. Ladies and gentlemen, my coach, Kendall Thicklin. <laughs> First, 
We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast that I didn't ask one question or interject. For those of you guys who are listening, this is the end of the show today. Uh, we're going to cut this. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll get a chance to get a part two at some point. But if not, I think you got enough to be able to rock with this. The question becomes, what are you going to do? The heart work. What does your heart work look like? This podcast is here to help people reflect, figure out what work needs to be done, and get to it. We're going to be back next week with another guest, and I promise you, Kendall, you have blessed my life, man, all over more than anywhere else. And I got to say this publicly for the podcast hearers. For those of you guys who have been following me, this is why I moved the way I do. I needed an OG in my life, somebody who had been there, done that, and didn't mind sharing that. This man taught me how to coach beyond the invoice. And forever, forever, my life will be changed. Ladies and gentlemen, again, my coach, Kendall Ficklin. Appreciate y'all for pulling up. We all need some help Wednesday, the podcast. Listen, tune in next week as we uh, bring through another guest. Because here's what we know to be true. You can't get to any place of significance by yourself. We all need some help. Y'all be good. We'll see you next week. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.